What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you share this episode with a friend. Today, we're going to be talking about Joe Biden banning the Swisher Sweets. And then we're going to talk about mutual aid versus charity. Make sure you follow us at Building Our PWR on all social media accounts. All right. So, girl, what in the world? Why? I wake up in the morning and think about so many things. And I figure out that Joe Biden has is on his way to ban menthol cigarettes. Apparently, that's the last legal flavored cigarettes. And also uh, flavored cigars. So, all your swishes, all your games, all those white owls, all that stuff. You ain't going to have that because apparently they're trying to help the black community. Um, I don't understand. My thing is, like, I don't understand that. Uh, we kind of had a conversation about this. Is like, what in the what in the world is the purpose of doing that? Like, what you know, like the government doesn't do anything without scamming you. Let's be honest. Like, so what? Where is that coming from? And who is it benefiting long term? Of course. So let me read this little part, and then we'll talk about that. It says, um. With these actions, the FDA will help significantly reduce youth initiation, increase the chances of smoking cessation along, among current smokers, and address health disparities experienced by communities of color, low-income populations, and LGBTQ plus individuals, all of whom are far more likely to le- use these tobacco products. Acting Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Janet Woodcock outlined in the Thursday statement. <laughs> Anyways, low-income population communities of color LGBTQ, what do all of them have in common? These are marginalized, oppressed groups. So instead of the... We, we know they ain't finna do what's right. But I just want y'all to understand the government. Instead of the government saying, oh, there's a correlation between these groups. They're all oppressed. They all struggling. Majority of them are poor. Let's address that so they won't go to the cigarettes. We're just going to ban them cigarettes. Forget what the, white, what the rich white folks smoking. Because apparently, I guess they don't matter. But we're going to make sure y'all black folks and y'all... Uh, gay folks ain't smoking these menthol because this is what's killing you. Not the economy, not capitalism, not racism, not homophobia, none of this stuff. It's the cigarettes. Here's my thing. They are not going to give you access to health care, okay? They're not going to give us access to health care. So all the stress that you have been going through, instead of you being able to use your cigarettes, your cigars, or stuff like that to de-stress, now you're, you're just without it. It's been banned. So um, my thing really isn't about, like, I'm definitely, like, I don't want anyone to smoke cigarettes, obviously, but... Who 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 paid for this? Like, was it the tobacco industry that was like, hey, these Swisher companies, these whatever companies are really getting in our way. Um, they're getting more money than us, and now all of a sudden we need to ban them. Like, wh- who was it that was really, like, pushing towards that? Was it the uh, community people who were like, well, children, they smoke those, uh, the vapes and the, the cigarettes and they do all this? Or what, did it have something to do with weed even? If you think about it, was it the weed people who were like, hey, uh, we have our own brands and we don't need you to be using Swishers in order to smoke your weed or whatever. Like it just, there's so much to it. And I don't feel like, I feel like we'll never know. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll never know unless it's, like, in history books, like, 100 years from now. Yeah, I, I was I was trying to figure out, and we're going to do it. I'm looking to, like, who funded their campaign. Maybe it was the opposing corporations or somebody else. Because he ain't going to legalize weed either, so it's not the weed industry. So it's somebody, and uh, we're going to figure that out. But that was just the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. Don't make no sense. My thing is, okay, now, if we get caught selling this stuff, I'll be going to jail. Yeah. Like, is this just another way to make a war on drugs that's more appealing to the audiences? I don't know. What do y'all think about it? I, I just think it's it's uh, wild. Okay, uh, so we're going to talk about today mutual aid versus charity. Um, because there's been conversation about it all on Twitter and stuff like that. I saw a tweet by this white person mm. who had a meme that was like, uh, somebody was like, please donate, donate to my cash app, my mutual, I need this, I need that, I need that. And then it's like the meme of that thing, it's like a dead, like zombie thing, and it's like, please organize revolution or something like that. Pretty much, but then you go to her profile, you click on it, and the pinned tweet is a doggone cash app request. So I'm like, girl, what is the truth? But as we know, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people ain't got nowhere to stay. So there's just an influx now of GoFundMe's, cash apps, Venmo requests, all types of stuff. People are struggling. So now we're starting to get into this conversation of, is this mutual aid or is this charity and what is mutual aid in itself so kt i'm gonna let you go and read the little definition of mutual aid and we're gonna discuss it okay so uh uh basically the um definition of mutual aid is in organization theory mutual aid is a voluntary reciprocal exchange of resources and services for mutual benefit Mutual aid projects are a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions. Okay. Now, um, okay, so what's the difference between that and a charity? Like the, the soup kitchen, is that not the same thing? Um, we're going to look at this little Wikipedia article about mutual aid, and they've kind of taken a table out of the book by Dean Spade, uh, queer and trans mutual aid for survival and mobilization, and it kind of lays out the differences. So, KT, uh, can you kind of read what mutual aid is and the opposite of what it is, which is the charity? Okay, so I'll give an example pretty much. So, basically, let's say for instance, you have a soup kitchen, okay? You go into the soup kitchen, the difference between a nonprofit or a charitable uh, people doing the soup kitchen is that. It's serviced by paid professionals, essentially. Um, and uh, on the opposite side, something that would be mutual aid instead would be just a random volunteer who's doing this for survival work, basically, so that they can also get some food, um, so that they can have somewhere um, to support the community, essentially. Okay, you want to raise my not really, but uh, <laughs> so another uh, thing that would be for nonprofits, like we talked about last week, was it would be like grant money from the government. So they're going to be getting uh, money for supplies. They're going to be having people donate to them, things along those lines. For mutual aid, it's about begging, borrowing, and stealing. 
Um, I, I want to say this is really like a an anarchist type of thing um, as far as things go because it's like egalitarian. There's no type of it's, – it's basically all about how can you as a singular person help your other singular person. It's about solidarity and coming together as a full – powerful person or full powerful beings together in a community as opposed to knowing that well I don't really have any power on my own yeah and and it definitely has to be rooted in some type of political stance yeah um because what I am starting to see now is through the GoFundMe's and the cash apps and stuff like that is you have a lot of people who are uh leftists or progressive or whatever get into politics and they, you know, have GoFundMe's and stuff like that. But when it just becomes strictly uh, donate to my GoFundMe, donate to my cash app, it kind of just becomes whoever gets the most retweets is going to get help. It's not really a collective organization of whatever. It's just kind of we're just giving money to help people, which is good. But if you're not rooted in any common goal it can just be it can just turn into the charity because something i was telling kt about is when we think when i think about charity i think about churches i think about all the middle class white people who give to charities um after being guilted by seeing a video or something like that and really it um it becomes very individualistic um you become detached from the people that you're helping i think in one of the articles it was saying you were doing uh, charity to on the poor instead of realizing that you have solidarity with the poor people. So it's just kind of like, well, girl, let me go and give these cans of beans to these folk because, you know, they ain't got no food. And then you just go on about your life. Or, let me go and donate this little money because uh, apparently it's going to feed some folks and now I'm going to go on about my life. But with a mutual aid organization or just mutual aid in general, it's everybody the way I see it giving to help everybody else everybody's gonna fall on hard times everybody's gonna end up needing something and so we have a mutual agreement that we're going to help each other out and while doing that we realize that we have collective power with that we're not able to be controlled like a nonprofit. A nonprofit who's giving governmental money may not be able to preach the stuff that right. you're able to preach. A church organization ain't going to let your gay ass come up in there or your trans <laughs> come up in there and do what you want to do. You ain't going to be able to sleep with your boyfriend. You ain't going to be, you know, it's stuff like that. You have, it's more diplomatic because, you know, with nonprofits and charities, there's boards. So there's board meetings. Can I walk up to, um, St. Jude board meeting and, and just speak my piece and say what I feel needs to be done. No, well, you cannot. Not. But if you have a collective community of people who working and organizing and helping each other out, everybody's say is equal. I think you just said something. It it reminds me of, okay, so you remember whenever we were talking last week on uh, about the nonprofit, what, what is it called over in Binghampton? 901 what? something. Lantras. Lantras, yes. Okay, so I feel like it's possible that they were trying to build that, but then it's like, it's like, 
capitalistic. Does that make sense? How do gonna build it if the people I don't own the land? That's my thing, though. That's my thing, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like they were like, oh, well, this is gonna seem as if it's mutual aid. And so more people are gonna be accepting of it. And even us, ourselves, we were, at first, before we actually researched it, we were like, oh, that's cool that they're giving houses, you know, or they're helping people get houses and repairs and stuff. But then after researching it, we're like, um, it's not really providing much, mm-hmm. you know, and it's harmful to the community. So I feel like there's definitely maybe some sort of overlap between the two. And if you read some of, like, what Dean Spade is talking about in his books, and Definitely, there is some overlap, but it's it's very uh, far and few between, I feel like. Yeah. Okay, let me read a couple more of these uh, differences. It says, um, the mutual aid values self-determination for people impacted or targeted by harmful social conditions. The charity offers help to underprivileged, absent of a context of injustice or strategy for transforming conditions. Rescue fantasies and saviorisms, which which goes back into, you know, how these white churches are able to go to Guatemala, go to Uganda, and say, we're going to help these people, obviously ignoring the people that's down the street, and saying, we're doing this to spread the gospel to help these people. All they're doing is taking a job from the local market instead of just giving that, sowing that money into that if you want to be a capitalist. Instead of seeing, asking why are all these people poor? What can we, what is the main issue that's driving this poverty and this pain and this lack of water and food in this society? We're just going to go over there for a week. We're going to build this little mud house with these teenagers who ain't never built a house in their life before. We're going to go around, play some soccer, kick some balls, and take some pictures, and we out of there. But And that's kind of how I feel like some of these charities work. They have one main goal. My goal is to provide diapers for a baby. My job is to give needles to people that are on drugs, which is good, but it's devoid of anything like what we talked about. We've already talked about this, but... What if if the problem is solved tomorrow, where is your paycheck? If all you're worried about is I have to distribute this to help this group, what's next? Are that's, you- that's the thing. There isn't a next. Like that's the whole problem with nonprofits. I I feel like this is kind of like <laughs> now turn it apart too. That that's the problem with nonprofits. That's the problem with organizations who have like a one track mind and it's not necessarily solving the huge problem and instead it's about s- solving the minute issues. It, it's that they don't have an end goal their end goal is to be able to do this forever if this made me think of like you know how people um uh he's a billionaire bill gates people always say well he's a billionaire and he gives all his money away he's got all these charities to try and say that he's a good person but my thing is is if you're a billionaire why are you giving in charities and not just giving to people exactly Where's your money? Where did, number one, that's number one. Number two, where did your money come from? You were exploiting people to get that money. Right. So, I mean, it's like when we talk about mutual aid, we're talking about something that is void of selfness or selfishness. 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 Yeah. 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 It, it, it's about really just doing something out of the goodness of your heart without expecting anything back and without having any type of limitations to what you can or you cannot do for this person. 
uh, and finding people who, if you cannot do something within your group of mutual aid, you do something or you, you connect them. That way that person can get what they need to get done. Yeah. And, and even I think about the things that um, I think are like good charities and stuff like that. Like I said, well, this could kind of be like a mutual aid thing. Um, I'm reading this one thing and it says, um, in mutual aid engages with the organization and builds broader political participation, solidarity, mobilization, and radicalization. We have people that are doing community gardens and I feel like that can be a mutual aid, but devoid of anything political, it is just giving some food temporarily and we're still not addressing the fact that people are poor so let's let's go to this um part that says the challenges of the mutual aid model and then we're going to go and read this story about Fannie Lou Hamer and her mutual aid uh, attempt that she tried to do okay it says the challenges of mutual aid um lack of technical experts funding and the legitimization by the public which is a good thing I think. <laughs> but when you ain't got money, there's little that you can do. Like me and KT trying to do stuff. But we're trying to scrape to get our little two pennies. I know, we're broke. And by the time, we can only help so many people, which is the, the importance of organization, obviously. But that is, that is an issue. And uh, lack of full-time staff may limit the volume of work that can be completed. And then it goes back to, I mean, it all just ends up, you know, you're not having the resources. Burnout because everybody's working and you, you're, uh, you're passionate about the goals. So you're working hard, but you're not getting paid. So it, it can be, become hard, which is why, again, organization is. I want to talk a little bit about Fannie Lou Hamer's uh, Freedom Farm Cooperative that she founded in 1969. Um, so she founded it with $10,000 that she got from a measure for measure donation, which I mean, sometimes you have to start with capital. Um, but with that, she was able to, um, she tried to empower black farmers and sharecroppers who for generations had been at the mercy of local white landowners. So um, she worked tirelessly to develop the Freedom Farm Cooperative. The cost of membership was $1 a month. Uh, but even then, only 30 families could even afford that. So 1,500 families uh, didn't have to pay, and they still kind of received benefits, which, I mean, that's, that shows you how much she was really down for the cause. So uh, what they did is they planted cash crops like soybeans and cotton to pay taxes and administrative expenses. Then the rest of the land was sold with vegetables like cucumbers, peas, beans, squash, and collard greens, all of which was distributed back to those who worked on the co-op. Unlike many federal and local poverty programs, Freedom Farm was dedicated to grassroots participation. Ms. Hamer had learned through years of organizing around the right to vote that change in Mississippi needed to emerge from the bottom up. All the qualifications that you have to have to become part of the co-op is that you have to be poor, she explained. This is the first kind of program that has ever been sponsored in this country in letting local people do their thing themselves, which again is a very important factor of mutual aid. Um, 
Over the next two years, thanks to her unflagging dedication, the co-op grew into a multifaceted self-help program. In 1970, the co-op purchased an additional 640 acres for cultivation. The organization also started a pig bank with funds from the National Council of Negro Women. The co-op bought 35 female pigs and five boars. Over the next three years, the pig bank produced thousands of new pigs to feed impoverished families. Miss Hamer was especially fond of the pig bank. There's nothing better than getting up in the morning and having a huge slice of ham and a couple of biscuits and some butter. I wouldn't have nothing for our golden pigs. While in existence, the Freedom Farm empowered poor people in the Sunflower County to take control over their economic livelihood. However, the Freedom Farm was unable to sustain itself. It never received the institutional backing that was necessary to make it a viable organization, and it was not a commercial venture. Thus, without continuing resources at the federal level, it made it almost impossible to survive. So, I mean, that's that's textbook. That's textbook. I mean, thankfully, she was able to get those loans and stuff in the beginning, but, I mean... That's something else we need to talk about. That is the struggle. If you're doing it, something purely from your heart, that's purely just to help people. She had all them people there that couldn't even pay. They just, she just said, here, you can have it. Right. My question is, where was all the civil rights leaders mm-hmm. and all these people? Why weren't they giving to the, the organization? You know why? Because there wasn't no commercial benefit in that. And also, that's not sexy. Helping some black little sharecroppers get some pigs and stuff like that. That's not nothing that can get you on the New York Times. That's not nothing that can get you on Life magazine. So, it's, it's, it's messed to make up. A long, it's I messed mean, up. Not really a long story, but to... to uh, here's my thing. It's like, I feel like nowadays, uh, you know, back in, in that time, it definitely was something that would not have... Uh, gotten as much backing but i feel like now with the internet and stuff like that it definitely would and it would turn into a non-profit i don't know if she would have did because she didn't it wasn't a non-profit back then she could have made a non-profit back then but she didn't i feel like her principles were right i don't know if other people would have came in there and said like well maybe when funds start to get low yeah that's what i'm saying like donations at that point you know, we talk about whenever we have donations, like, that's when things start changing. Uh, just like, oh, remember we talked about how Black Lives Matter, the organization, they were they really were not mainstream mm-hmm. until last year. And that's when they started getting major corporate donations, major donations from political uh, people, all types of stuff. And then all of a sudden, now they're mainstream, and, you know, we're getting a lot of... Uh, uh, gossip in regards to that, not really gossip, but information in regards mm-hmm. to that now with where, you know, uh, what's her name? Patricia Coors? Colors. Colors, yeah. She has like seven houses or something like that. So it's just like, it's one of those things where we look at it and we're like, okay, well, in in now, how, how do we reproduce that now without having the funds while also... Finding a way not to get, you know, like, corporate backing and stuff. You know what that reminds me of, and we're going to end y'all on this. Uh, so, Elaine Brown, who's a former Black Panther member, she has a nonprofit that is like an Oakland urban farm. Um, 
What's it called? But she's got like an Oakland, Oakland urban farm that takes ex-convicts and teaches them how to farm so they can start their own businesses and sell said stuff. And I'm like, you're getting this nonprofit backing. It's like, I guess it was a prerequisite that some money had to be made. You see what I'm saying? Why couldn't it just be you get these folks to help farm and then y'all just give, they can have food and they just give the money, give the food out. And then y'all with the, with the nonprofit money, you just give them money in order to survive. Like, why does it always have to end up being you selling something? You see what I'm saying? Can't folks just have a garden? Why are they not, why, why are they, uh, previous prisoners? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the purpose of that? Like, I mean, it's a way to help people that's out of prison. They, They can't get a job. Oh, or is she paying them? Uh, I that's guess what so. I'm saying. Like, that's my so. thing. If she's not paying them, then that's even worse. You know, like I think about like, cause to me, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'd have to research it, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, she says twenty dollars an hour. Oh, okay. Well, well, my thing is, if you're paying twenty dollars an hour, why don't y'all just say instead of teaching them capitalism, you're the Black Panthers, right? Why don't you turn this into some mutual aid stuff? Why does it always have to be? You see, so that's what I'm saying. I feel like now it's been like a bastardized version of what uh, Finley Lou Hamer was doing because they ain't doing it like her. They ain't doing it like her. There's always some. Ooh, you have to do this. Ooh, you have to have this qualification. Ooh, you have to whatever. But I feel like with this amount of millions and billions and trillions of dollars that's funding these things, there is no reason why this cannot be duplicated and done better. Y'all like getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. The label's working with $10,000 and $5,000 and feeding thousands of people. Come on now. But that's all I'm going to say on that. (laughs) All right. That's it, folks. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll put links to these articles in the description. But what do y'all think about mutual aid versus charity? Do you think we on the right track? If you have any good examples of some mutual aid that you want us to uh, uplift, uh, send us a message. Hit us up on social media at Building RPWR. Hit up KT at KT underscore does art. Hit up me at Gabby's Music. KT has some big things going for her little art page. You're going to check that out. I have some music coming out soon and maybe a video or whatever. You can check that out if you like. This has been Building Our Power, and we are out. That's all, folks. <laughs>